Okay, good morning. I am here today to talk a little bit about some learning strategies. Um, I am currently in a position at Marine Corps Communication Electronics School, and I am responsible for the academics for all like radio systems for the Marine Corps. And as a result of having done that for the last year, I've put a whole lot of focus and effort into trying to learn a lot about how people learn. And so some of the stuff that I've learned is there's kind of a overarching uh, buzzword being used within the Marine Corps, which is pretty normal. Like there's a lot of concepts that are put out there and titled in a specific way to make sure that we can use common phrases, right? So within the education community and training community within the Marine Corps, they use the phrase 21st century learning, which is not a unique Marine Corps concept, but how that applies to us um, hasn't necessarily been fully understood by all who are kind of using it. So many continue to believe that 21st century learning is using technology today, uh, gamification of learning as the primary core component when 21st century learning and its primary driving force is a focus on student-centered learning. So instead of it being uh, an instructor or a lecturer or a professor who's in front of the student body that's in the classroom, in some auditorium, sitting there in receive mode, you have to get the students engaged. You have to drive your periods of instruction. You have to drive everything that goes on inside that classroom based on student engagement and student response and let the students really drive the whole learning process. And that's really weird and really hard for a lot of people who come from a background and their experience with learning has always been this foundational concept where it's the instructor who tells you what the answers to the questions are. Just tell me what the questions are that I need to know and what the answers to those questions are so that I can pass the test at the end of this course and move on to the next thing that I need to learn. But what most of us don't realize is that for most people, that kind of a process does not lead to long-term learning. It leads to, to some short-term retention, some short-term memorization so that you can pass an exam. And a lot of people use the phrase data dump, right? It's where you, when you're done with a course, you just completely forget everything that you learned because there's no reason for you to use it. There's no usage that you've actually done. You've just memorized the ability to pass an exam. And a big part of my focus is on producing trained functional Marines that can go to their unit and perform a specific function or a capability. And if they six months from completing the course can't remember any of the information and can't produce the skills that they could do at the end of the course because it was just like rote memorization, just uh, repetition-based practice. So they weren't able to actually understand the system or know how to apply it outside of the specific button pushing that they were taught, um, especially six months later, if they've forgotten those sequence of events, that doesn't add value. And it seems like the time that they'll spend sitting in these classrooms, memorizing some material doesn't really pay the dividends that we would want for the time invested for these instructors when they could be potentially somewhere else working. Um, and for those students, when they could just go to their unit and start learning to do the job the way that they want them to. And the same applies outside the Marine Corps. I'm just kind of covering my own experiences. Has anybody who's listening now been a participant in a class that was very student focused or student driven where the students show up and kind of explain what goals are 
and that the instructor and the professor or the teacher, rather than being one of those three things, instead becomes a learning facilitator. So that's a big, big phrase that I'm trying to push is that your job in that room is not to tell them every single little information to guide the whole group towards the end goal, which is there to do a specific thing, stand an overall concept, but how they get there, you're just facilitating that learning on the way so that they, you're kind of guiding their process rather than being the, the end all be all. Something that anybody's dealt with. I, it's weird in this particular scenario where I'm, I'm kind of just presenting this as a concept and I would really rather it be a situation where we could explore this information together, explore these concepts and, and as those who are learning it, be the ones who actually drive the conversation. Cause that would then be a prime usage of the technique to then teach the technique. And that's something I'm going to have to do very soon. Again, I think on Thursday, I'll be using student driven um, techniques. I am using technology to do so, but student driven techniques to then teach these 21st century learning strategies that I'm trying to employ throughout my, my schoolhouse. Um, currently I'm using a, a web tool called Kahoot. A lot of people use it um, to do quizzes or to do other like fun activities. And it kind of gamifies the concept, but you can also put a lot of the learning and experience A second, but I went to bring them in, and it maybe I'm having some. <laughs> Looks like driving through town, I maybe picked up a Wi-Fi. There we go. Okay, so I see that there's a guest there. Uh, let's go ahead and bring somebody in, and we can have a talk for a few, you know, how you are, uh, experienced learning. So it's three, two, one, and the guest is in there. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. The truck is finally warm. Uh, in the in the high desert, and uh, I had I had the heat on, and I let it run for a few minutes with the fan really high. But I knew I didn't want to talk with the fans all the way on. So uh, just before starting the talk, yeah. I turned the heat down, and it's finally kind of starting to balance itself out. You know. <laughs> okay, I hope you don't freeze waiting on. <laughs> but um, Sorry, your learning I strategies, I didn't hear. Can you hear me? Yes, I got you now. Hello. Okay, um, your learning strategies. I don't know if I missed it or you were just getting into it, but I heard you say something about Kahoot. Um, were you asking what kind of learning I strategies? I find that I drove past, and I think or... now I should be back. Okay, you are. You are. Yeah, yeah I think what's happened. I, I looked like up and strategies. say that. No, go ahead. You said you looked up and. Hey, I noticed that it. My phone had connected to Wi-Fi, so because it keeps Aww. switching between Wi-Fi and phone signal. Yeah, you're choppy. Yeah, it, it's but, so okay. Were you There's explain- Wi-Fi apparently available along the road. My apologies. Go ahead. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying it, it keeps picking up Wi-Fi, and the, the, the switching between is not as smooth as. You know, I would I would hope it is. Uh, it seems like if you join a Wi-Fi and then switch back to LTE and then switch back to Wi-Fi, it it takes a good while for it to catch back up. Oh yeah, been there, really have. Yep. No, so. the learning 
the learning strategies? Were you presenting some or you were asking what do we use or did I miss uh, that? I'm going to do a little bit of both. Uh, dialogue is obviously what I'm hoping for. So what's your experience with like different 21st century learning strategies? So I was kind of defining 21st century learning strategies first. I don't know if you heard that part or understand like the differences between how a lot of us were taught, especially in school, using a very old kind yeah. of instructor, instructor driven, uh, instructor focused, like they have a time hack, they have uh, subjects and like specific topics they want to cover with regardless of whether or not the students yeah. are fully receiving or understanding what's going on. Uh, other than those, that one yeah. check, which might be like a quiz either at the end of the lesson or at the end of the week. Um, yeah. have you heard of these newer yeah. 21st century learning student driven strategies? Like maybe the term, the flipped classroom. Yeah, I have, but I haven't experienced it. I, the only, um, example I can come up with was I had to homeschool my girls this past year and I found um, apps like Kahoot and IXL that really didn't, I mean, they didn't teach them. It was all electronic based, but they were getting the majority of it, you know? So with Kahoot, it was more more of a game and I had to come up with a concept, but they had to play the game to get there. So I'm just like, how are you learning? But they they seem to get it. So are there any yeah. others that? Yeah. So another good one that, that works that, a lot like Kahoot. Yeah. Sorry. Another good one that works a lot like Kahoot is um, a website called Nearpod. So it's like something that's close near and a pod like of people small, you know, small like Peapod or something like that. Right. So it's Nearpod. Um, that yeah. website functions a lot like Kahoot. You're able to do some of the gamification. Um, one of the great things about Nearpod over uh, Kahoot specifically is that you can use almost all of the functions on the free account, right? So you can go to Nearpod right now. You could create your own lesson completely uh-huh. from scratch. that allows you to present information, engage with students, create some games, make some quizzes, uh, all kinds of stuff. You have the ability to access almost all of the functions of Nearpod on the free account. The limitation they have for the free account is how much storage you have. So if you made like a really, really big class with lots of big pictures or video engagement, you might only be able to make one class. And then you might have to either create another account or look at the paid options depending on what it is that you're doing. Um, Whereas with Kahoot, if you want to build something with your free account, you only get true, false, and multiple choice questions on a quiz and that's it. Yeah. That's true. Wow, where were you last year? I needed this the entire year. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's cool. And Nearpod, just there, like Kahoot, uh, has like a lot that? of. Sorry, what was that question? No, I was asking. Is there anything else like that? Because I'm um, supplementing for... my girls' learning. Okay. Yeah. So while we're still on Nearpod, the. Much like Kahoot, but I think I think Nearpod has a better library. Um, you can kind of search for already made lessons uh, by professional mm-hmm. educators who are using it in their classrooms. So, say you needed to teach fifth grade social studies, you could go underneath that mm-hmm. category and find lessons that might meet whatever learning objectives you have, and you can use those already pre-made materials. Um, video examples that they have also have like stopping points. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the way Nearpod works is they have videos mm-hmm. with engagement required along the way. So the video plays a certain part of the lesson, stops the video, a question pops up, 
the students have to engage with the video, answer a question, what they think, what they feel about it. And then if you're presenting it as the instructor and you've presented it, like said, hey, here's the yeah. code, access it this way. You can then go back to that code and review mm-hmm. statistics based on the student's performance too. What did they say? Like, what was the question that they gave? Because a lot of ones we're trying to do is written feedback too, not like multiple choice, but right in the answer. So you can kind of see what they felt, what they thought. Yeah. I love those kinds of engagements. Well, so you can actually, you can actually gauge whether they learned something or not, because I, I didn't want to just put them in front of something and think like, okay, did you get it? I would actually right. know that they do. Right. Man, that's yes. cool. That is yeah. Cool. Nearpod, Nearpod is what we're looking to shift towards here soon, probably um, as a schoolhouse. Cause we started using Kahoot mm-hmm. because of COVID and we had a lot of students yeah. that had to be in their, in their rooms and we had to teach from a separate room, we'd use either Zoom or Teams or Adobe Connect in order to have live video interactive sessions. But then how do we get the students to engage with some material and provide some feedback to the instructors and do some kind of a quiz? And in order to do that, we started using Kahoot because it was one, they could use a free account and just do some kind of a quick uh, knowledge check. Like, how are you doing with the information so far? Do I need to cover more material? But yeah. it didn't until someone paid for the full account, which is kind of expensive to pay for an account to be able to yeah. produce your own material. Um, we didn't, right. we weren't able to get that, that real, real engagement I wanted, but you could do that with Nearpod on the free account. At least each instructor could make, or each professor could maybe make one or two, two lessons. And across the board, we could end up with enough stuff, but we're going to try to go ahead and look for a full paid account. So we get a much larger amount of storage and can cover entire courses with our, our Nearpod. That's, that's kind of the way we're looking in the future though. Okay, so you don't work for them. This is just something that you found and you use it. Yes. No. Yeah. I, um, I I'm a marine. I'm an active duty marine. Uh, I I work. I am the like the academics officer. I, I run and and basically choose what we teach and how we teach it uh, within the Marine Corps Communication Electronics School for all things yeah. like radio radio systems. Yeah. Oh wow. I like that. Oh, I really I really do like that. Thank you for um pinging me, connecting me. I'm going to be following you. Do you normally have talks like this? Uh I talk about a couple of subjects. So if you look at like my profile, it's kind of eclectic. I'm kind of all over the place. Um the talk this yeah. morning on the way in was very much about work. I'm about to go to a yeah. meeting uh to explain to a colonel this exact kind of stuff. So I figured it was a practice session. If nothing else, I could <laughs> go over some of my ideas. Like, how do I want to frame oh. things with him this morning? <laughs> kind of practicing a little bit, uh, yeah. to be honest. You have, yeah. so, you have my, you have my thumbs up. So you're doing pretty good. I hope he gives you the thumb up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Um, so then I, I talk about this. I talk about politics, um, talk about like social structure, social contracts. So yesterday on the way into work, I talked about a concept known as um, scarcity versus abundance and how that affects people's mindsets and how people maybe don't even understand that um, people don't always have the ability to uh, use the phrase, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. If their focus every single day is on how how do I make sure that me and the people I care about are able to eat, have a, have heat in their house, have, you know, um, shoes and a jacket and things like that. If, if, if scarcity is your mindset, you can't necessarily focus on these extra things, even something as no. simple as like we're talking about today, properly focusing on learning and making yourself better. We may not have the room for that right now. I may be 
100% focused on trying to survive. And I've done that. And I, I thought yeah. it would be a good topic. So I talked about that yesterday. That's a good topic. I'm going to go back and listen to that. But good luck with um, with your person that you're going to go <laughs> yeah. to. Uh, you sold yeah. me on it. I'm going to go check it out. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. I appreciate your input. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. And if I don't already, I, I usually try to go through and, and follow those who, who come in and talk to. So I'll make sure to, to follow you on here. And I look forward to seeing you host a talk to see that you're a top mentor. So I'm, awesome. I'm hoping to, to hear some great stuff. I'd love to hear more about how, how, you, how it's going with, with um, you know, being a part of educating your, your children. So I look forward to hearing about it. Okay. Oh, you will. I, I welcome you to my stage. <laughs> <in a> t- <laughs> Excellent. But, All right. We'll talk to you later. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. Uh, great talk. Thank you so much for joining. I just got to the point in the morning drive where the sun peeked up over the mountains and is stabbing me right in the eyeball. So I had to, had to move my, my sunscreen down and adjust a little there so that I can actually see what's going on. So um, one of the, the key terms I used there while we were talking is this concept called a flipped classroom. And it, in its name, talks a lot about basically what I'm hoping we can more clearly define for the Marine Corps as what 21st century learning is all about, which is making sure that the students are the ones who are doing most of the engagement with the material rather than being presented the answers. So one key example I give to a lot of my instructors as I'm trying to help them understand what what I'm expecting based on the research that I've read and the books that I've read to try to bring our training system, our education system within the Marine Corps uh, forward to to make it so that they're learning in a way that gives them long-term learning, long-term skills, not just short-term test question passing type knowledge, uh, is retrieval and, and generation. So those are two words within learning strategies and learning concepts that are very key to long-term learning. So retrieval practice is something where you make the students go back in their memory some kind of a distance. And the farther back they have to reach to pull that information out, the better that that actual action, that effort that they're putting forth, the more benefit that has. But there is there is a, a certain point where it's been too long. So it's got to be a balancing act, right? You have to balance between making sure that it's not having them retrieve information that you taught five minutes ago, but also not information that was covered five weeks ago. So retrieval practice is kind of this balancing act of waiting a little bit of time between when the information was originally discovered or worked through or understood, and then forcing some retrieval of that same piece of information. So one of the things we I'm having them use is each student has a retrieval logbook. So like a little retrieval guide or a retrieval study, like a, a full a three ring binder or a spiral notebook, sorry. Like they have a little spiral notebook that they use and then this is their retrieval log. The whole purpose for it is when the instructors say, hey, go ahead and pull out your retrieval logs. And thinking back to yesterday's lesson on you know, uh, fundamentals of HF radio theory, just throwing a subject out there. I, I don't know if that class was taught yesterday. Probably not. Um, so you, you refer back to yesterday's lesson or think back to everything we covered last week. Write down five key things, right? What are five things that you can think of that are key facts, about yesterday's lesson or about last week's uh, material that we covered? What are some things that you thought were most important? Give them five minutes to do that, write down those topics, those concepts, and then have a handful of the students actually share that information. 
So you can do that in a couple ways. You can have them share it with the whole class. Or you can do it in uh, a concept called think, pair, share. So they do that first work piece, which is, hey, write down these five ideas, not five ideas, but five concepts we covered yesterday or last week, whatever you're, how far back you're trying to make this retrieval practice cover. So, hey, write down those five things. You have, you have five minutes to do that or two minutes to do that or three minutes to do that. However far back you're making them reach, give them a little more time if it's further back to, to really think. Um, so they write those down and then, okay, your time is up for writing down. Look to your partner to your left or to your right, however you want to set that up. So get with your partner and share. Share the items that you did. If you have something new that they didn't have, um, have them write that down. And basically have a little conversation in your paired-up group about the topics that you've you've actually both written down. Have a conversation about those. What items did you do that were different? What items did you have that were the same? And how, how does that uh, indicate you know, what is important if you both had all five items exactly the same, what are the chances? That's crazy. That must mean those things are really important. Like have a conversation about that. And then after that last, that, that part of it, that's the middle step. That's the think pair. The last part is share. So then again, have a couple of those groups share that dialogue with the whole class. So, Hey, not only what was your list of items, but what did that dialogue sound like when you were sharing the differences or the similarities between your list of items, that whole activity might take 10 minutes. But what it's doing is forcing them to retrieve that information back. It's reinforcing that, that knowledge in their brain. It's making new connections between the information that they're currently covering and the information that they covered previously. And then the other person's uh, connection to that information as well. So why did you write down this one item that I didn't write down? And they explain it in a way that might have been new to you as the student in the class. And that makes you have a new connection to that piece of information that you did learn that same same time as the other student did, but maybe didn't make that connection that makes it critical, makes it important information, makes it something they remembered when you asked them to write down the five like key items that they could remember from the lesson you're asking them to retrieve. So retrieval practice, concepts like that, is a huge, huge part of forcing that long-term retention from memory. The more we do retrieval practice, the more we force ourselves to actually go back, pull up a piece of information, and then use it. You have to actually do something with it. So that's why the writing it down, that's why the talking about it, that's why a lot of times we'll use peer teach too or, or student-led instruction. Hey, tomorrow, uh, group one, as a group, you're going to have to come up with a lesson covering this material that's available to you inside your, your student guides, inside your textbook. All the materials available for you to be able to teach this lesson. Go through it come up with how you want to teach it and you present us all with the information and we'll have a dialogue about what other questions we have, how it was there. And the, the, you know, the learning facilitator, I almost said instructor, the learning facilitator will make sure to fill in the gaps, make sure to help you ensure that the students all get what they need out of that period. But you put that on the students. Now they've got new connections to that information. The students have a different perspective on things. And so do those learning facilitators because they're hearing the way a different way than they may have would have originally presented that information. So all of these things are ways to then have the students have to retrieve that information. Cause that's what those students presenting it are doing. They're going through it. They're learning it on their own. And when they are up there presenting it, they're retrieving it at that moment while they're presenting it, but they're also retrieving it, retrieving additional information as students ask questions that they maybe didn't think to cover explicitly in the way that they're presenting information. So all of those things lead towards better long-term learning, but do sometimes lead towards a little bit more difficult 
short-term retention because you're spending time building long-term memory and not spending time focusing on memorization to then pass some kind of multiple choice, easy, like short-term memorization type exams. So there is a trade-off there. Um, people talk about cramming serves no purpose. Cramming can, has been proven to be able to, in the short term, allow you to pass a, a written memorization type exam. But the question is, is that actually value added knowledge or is it not something that contributes towards the long-term ability to actually do something, to actually employ that knowledge, to be able to actually use the information that you're trying to memorize in a way that is then perceived to be a developed skill or an actual base of knowledge. And if it's only short-term, cram-based, rote memorization, it, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to then apply that in the long term because you're going to lose a significant portion of the information that you just received. And if, if anybody's out there listening right now and wants to join in, even if it's just to be able to answer this question, I'll continue talking after I answer the question or after I ask the question. I'll talk about the next piece of this. How much of what you just listen to or how much of what you just read? So if you do no intentional effort at retrieval practice, specifically making yourself work with the information or engage with the information, if all you do is listen to someone speaking in a classroom, and if all you do is read a textbook, how much of that information in either one of those scenarios do you think we lose pretty much immediately as soon as you walk away from that, that session, either the, the lecture or walk away from reading that book? How much of that information, based on studies conducted by universities, and right off the top of my head right now, I can't tell you the three that I know were cited in this book, but I could, I could answer those questions later if someone asked me that specifically in, in messages uh, probably have to send me a message on Twitter. Uh, how much do we lose? How much does that me- that knowledge, how much of that stuff that we memorized just from reading it or just from hearing it, how much do we lose? And I want that in a percentage, if you could. What percentage of the information we receive in those two methods is immediately lost? So the other action uh, that is a key word towards trying to focus on student-centered learning is generation. And that's not like the differences between, uh, you know, baby boomers and Generation X and, and millennials. Not that kind of generation, but it's generating the answers, right? So that's what we can think about is it's generation of the knowledge of the information. So what that is, is being presented with the problem, being presented with the topic or being presented with a concept and being told without foreknowledge, without other prior understanding, without being instructed on this information, uh, having them be able to just generate what they perceive to be the correct answer. So example would be you walk into the class on this very first day of this new subject that we haven't even covered yet. Instructors did not assign any pre-reading. They did not say, hey, you need to read these chapters. But it's probably in your textbook, and some students will have read it ahead of time. Some students will have personal experience with concepts that are very, very close to it. Some students will have personal experience with completely different subjects that they find ways to make connections to. And so what the instructor, learning facilitator, teacher, professor, what they do is simply pose the question to the group and have them work out what they think to be the solution to it. And then we talk about those. So the idea being students walk in, all sit down, an instructor can say, okay, today we are going to cover uh, setup and tear down of these kinds of systems, an antenna, uh, a radio itself, how to 
how to build your own website using one of the tools somebody on here will probably show us that is really, really cool. So that's what we're going to cover today. But what I would like you to do instead is break into your groups, small groups, probably groups three to five if you're managing the classroom, right? Go ahead and break out into your groups and either on paper they're with you, but I'd prefer it if you have whiteboards, that way the whole class can see it, some dry erase markers and some dry erase boards. Like go to your boards and come up with a list of things that you think we need to know about this particular subject. Like what are some things you think are important and how do you think we're going to get at solving those problems? You have, you have 10 minutes in your group to go ahead and outline what you think is this whole lesson here. Tell me what it is that you think we need to know. And they're going to then go and fill that out without ever having been taught any of this information. Try to explain the concepts associated to it. And they're basically going to write out in, in the whole group, in the whole session, and then the conversation afterwards, we'll be able to cover most of the material, but they will have generated that initial contact with it. And when that's done, a very interesting thing happens in our brain where later on, when we actually have correct information filled in or we have uh, other students or the professor or instructor or learning facilitator, when that learning facilitator fills in the gaps or emphasizes certain points or expands on certain pieces that they cover, that information is retained so much more because the, the student, the learner, initiated that storage location in their brain. So they were the first ones to create this concept on their own. And they created it in a way that they already had massive amounts of connections, all of these connections in our brain to information. They used those to create this new spot for us to then fill it in. And that then means there's all of this extra connection, which makes it that much easier to retrieve it later. Now we still need to do all that retrieval practice in order to ensure that we've reinforced those connections. But that initial connection becomes so much stronger when it's generated by the student rather than if it's just presented by the, the instructor or by the professor. Anybody out there listening, able to answer that question? How much do you think if we just read something or just listen to something, how much of that do you think we lose immediately percentage-wise? Like what percentage of the information covered without engaging with it, just listening to it or just reading it, do you think we lose? Anybody out there willing to jump in and, and then try to see if they can make a solid guess at that? I am almost done with my talk for the morning. Those are some of the fundamentals of learning strategies that I think are important. And uh, my first guest, we talked a lot about a very specific, more like tool focused rather than just uh, concepts based. So some of the things I just talked about, those two main key words, generation and retrieval practice, to do those in your classrooms or to do those with your students costs you nothing. I don't have to have a subscription to Nearpod. I don't have to have a subscription to Kahoot. It's just about engaging the students' minds first with the information or forcing them through engaged practice to actually retrieve the information from their brains. Those two big things don't really cost anything, but will actually improve long-term retention, which should be the goal if we're spending time learning something it's not just so that we can memorize it long enough to pass a test in two weeks. It should be so that we can then incorporate that knowledge as a foundation towards applying it to bigger concepts, right? To that critical thinking that we're expecting from people who learn these concepts in a specific field to then be able to apply to the field in general, right? So why would we want them to only be able to memorize it and then not remember that information? It seems like that would mean it's not really worth our time. Um, so using these other tools is how we can improve that long-term retention. And in most cases, I can do that without using these, 
these websites that potentially cost us money in order to build tools to facilitate that. Now, if we have access to those and those tools can generate engagement um, where they're actually conducting generation learning and they're doing their retrieval practice through a gamification of the retrieval practice, um, especially younger students. I, I don't know. I say younger students, but like I'm a gamer at heart and I sat in a formal school management course not too long ago. And like, this is on how to manage courses within this, this curriculum. And it, it's definitely not subjects that are meant for younger Marines or younger students. And they used a big game and everybody in the class absolutely loved it. I am going to go on mute for just one second as I pass. Okay, we are heading into our official last five minutes of this talk. So is there anybody out there who had anything that they wanted to add over basic learning strategies or a really cool maybe learning tool or a website that you've got that you've been using? Maybe you're an instructor or a student and you saw someone else using something. The two we talked about early on in this discussion were Kahoot, which my um, guest said that they had used, and but felt like it was mostly just gamification of quizzes like it's really it wasn't as much on the presenting information side um and then i talked a lot about nearpod which presents basically all of the same functional options as kahoot does and to, to clarify kahoot does have the ability to present information you can create slides um, you can do a whole bunch of different ways of presenting information um, it's just not available to the free account you have to have a paid account to get most of that stuff unlocked, which is unfortunate because there are some really cool like tools within the Kahoot realm, uh, but they do require you to have a paid account. And I've used those. We paid for an account for a while and you can build some really, really great engaging lessons. But the cool thing about Nearpod is that you can gain access to basically 90% of the overall functions without necessarily needing a paid account but you can't create enough lessons to cover like an entire course. But what it does allow you to do is, is show the overall like capabilities and concepts of Nearpod. So if you feel like it's something that you wanted to use within a school district or within a specific um, schoolhouse of its own, you could at least build one on one of the subjects you know you need to cover and then present that in order to show like, hey, this is a worthwhile capability. This is how this is going to improve our students' learning and improve their engagement. And then perhaps the school itself can find the funds to pay for it. So we're in that process right now of transitioning uh, over from Kahoot as a personally paid thing. So someone, one of the, the Marines in the school themselves is personally paying out of pocket for our, our full Kahoot account so that we can build really great engaging courses, lessons. Um, but I'm trying to present the idea that we can get um, – the school itself to pay for a Nearpod account, which will allow us to do all the same stuff as Kahoot, but be able to do a few extras. There's a, there's a couple extra presentation options and engagement options that are available in Nearpod that are not available in Kahoot. And the way that the Nearpod accounts work is you gain access to a, a lot more uh, 
account management options with the, the school style uh, Nearpod account than you do with a, a Kahoot account the way I'm seeing it. So those are two of the very specific tools we talked about. All right. Well, if there's nobody wanting to come and join into the very last part of this conversation, I appreciate the time and I appreciate my guest coming in and telling me about her story with spending the year uh, homeschooling her daughters and using Kahoot to do so and how, <laughs> unfortunately, how having access to Nearpod and maybe having had this conversation uh, a year ago would have been beneficial. But um you know, there's there's a saying about planting a tree, and I say the same thing goes with uh, learning how to do something new, like learning new ways to teach or instruct and learning new ways to learn. That's one of the big things I talk about with all of our students is that at no point in this in our life up to up to the point in every class I've been to, no one's ever written it on the board um, that all of the classes we've attended at no point did someone take the time to teach us how people learn and what we can do to improve our own learning. So I cover all that. So at that point, they've learned, and there's there's no better time than now to actually start implementing those things. But there's a, there's a phrase that goes, when is the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 20 years ago. But the second best time is today. Because we can't control what we did 20 years ago. We can't change what happened in the past. But we can't affect what we're doing going forward. So if we could learn new ways to improve our learning, to be able to be better lifelong learners, why wouldn't we take advantage of that? So I wanted to talk this morning a little bit about learning strategies and the things I'm doing to try to improve the way the Marine Corps is conducting instruction so that we can start using these, these modern 21st century um, student-focused uh, flipped classroom style learning strategies. So appreciate everybody who's listening. I did see that one just joined us. Is there anything you wanted to say talking about learning strategies? I'm about to close up the discussion for today. Okay, so no, no further guests. I really appreciate everybody's time. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you again later.